The following podcast contains explicit language. Do you still have the um, the bottle of wine that we got for the Angel 100th episode? No, I think I drank that years ago. Why, you do? You drank it? Well, yeah, it's wine. It's meant to be drunk. It's like, it's a collector's item. <laughs> right, bring it into the office. We need that on a shelf. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 17 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Kraft, also a TV writer and producer. On this podcast, we talk about what it's like to be writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how we survive the war of attrition that is life in L.A. Liz, this is our last episode before Christmas. Oh my gosh. I know. So we are going to share a listener voicemail that gives us a well-deserved reality check on the business gift-giving front. And then we're going to talk to one of the coolest people we know. Maybe the coolest person we know. Yeah, we definitely don't know anyone cooler than Marissa Tancheron, who is the co-creator and co-showrunner of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're going to talk to Marissa about being a high-powered, ass-kicking writer, producer, boss, and mom, all while living with lupus. Marissa is our gift to our listeners today. We'll also share our hits and bombs for the week, and we have a Hollywood hack that's a perfect gift for all your friends with kids. Okay, but first, we'll get to that listener voice memo we mentioned. <laughs> Hi, this is Joanne. I'm with Elizabeth. Gifts should only go from senior people to junior people. Nobody junior should ever feel required or even encouraged to give a gift to their boss. And I see no reason to give gifts to people who you employ, like your lawyer and your agent. And also, as a reality check, um, a $75 wine is a nice gift that many people would consider their entire Christmas gift to a family member. And when you were talking about working over the holidays, I thought you were talking about working only on the holidays themselves. If you have to work on December 26th or 27th, that's called being in the workforce. Everybody has to work those days. All right. Well, I just have to say, I love Joanne. Mm -hmm. Even though she's on your side, she is like no nonsense. Yes, thank you, Joanne, for agreeing with me, Team Liz. <laughs> Although, for the record, I did win this year. We are getting gifts. We did get gifts for our lawyer and our agent. Yes, you you, I you won out <laughs> this year. Um, and it is um, a good point that Joanne makes it. $75 is a lot for a gift. So I hope that our people appreciate that. Yes, as do I. And then her comment also really reminded me of how different our schedule is from most jobs. Mm. You know, we do get most of the time a built-in hiatus over the holidays. Yeah, and that's because production shuts down over yeah. the holidays. Yeah, but we tend to always be developing over the holidays, which means we don't really benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah, we often have our most pressing deadlines right after the holidays, right after Christmas, right after New Year's. So we're working over everything. And then you have kids... And boundaries. Yes. Suddenly, you really have to draw those boundaries. Yes. So, Liz, Christmas Eve is in three days. We have been working our butts off. So let's take this opportunity to remind ourselves holidays are sacred family time. Yes. We are not going to work Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. No, we are not. 
Okay. That's it. (laughs) Coming up, real-life superhero and lupus warrior princess, and the only person we know who's danced in a Michael Jackson video, the amazing and talented Marissa Tancherone, after a word from our sponsor. So, Sarah, we have known Marissa Tancherone since we worked together on the Fox show Dollhouse. She is now the co-creator and executive producer of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, which just celebrated its 100th episode. With her husband and writing partner, Jed Whedon, she co-created and appeared in the Emmy Award-winning musical Dr. Horrible's Sing-Along Blog. As an Asian-American female showrunner, her advocacy for diversity and equal representation is reflected in her work. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not only touted as one of the most diverse shows on television, but as a show that celebrates strong, intelligent, kick-ass women. And Marissa has been doing all this ass-kicking while living with lupus, which she was diagnosed with when she was only 15. Marissa, we're so happy to see you. I'm so happy to be here, Thank you for coming in. It's been a long time coming. And congratulations on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 100 episodes is huge. It is. It is big. Are you tired? We are very tired. (laughs) We are very tired. And we sort of, I think only about two weeks out from starting production on the 100th, did we realize that... Oh my God, we we're doing it! Yeah, you know, we finally reached that milestone because sort of. I mean, you guys know how it goes. Very few shows get there. Very yeah. few shows get there, but when you're going 22 episodes a season, Ugh. 11 months out of the year, you're just sort of plugging. You're just yeah. looking straight ahead, not really that far out. And the fact that we've reached it has been, you know. It's pretty pretty damn cool. Yeah. And we were remembering we went to lunch with you and Jed before you guys even did the pilot. And you were like, We're yeah. doing this. You know, we're help. we're yeah, we're <laughs> help, we're scared. And I mean now you guys have done a hundred, you're like old pros at this point. Does it feel like it's like another family? Because we, I think we always have this dream that we'll do this show and it'll go a hundred and it'll be like the second family. It seems like you guys have created that. I think that's what we're most proud of with the show. A lot of our crew has been there since day one, since the pilot. You know, I, I will say that we do have quite the family going on. And I think the thing that that has helped is that we have a no assholes policy. Mm. How much can I curse? On Very this as much as you want. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we we have a no ha- assholes policy that we basically declared from the very start of the show, and it's definitely worked in our favor. And the second we discover someone's an asshole, they maybe aren't on the show anymore. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so good. Let's also have a no assholes policy. Yes, that's a crucial policy. That's a very crucial policy. So, Marissa, you are one of very few female Asian-American showrunners in Hollywood. Yes. Very few. Yeah. Um, so what is that like and how do you champion diversity in everything you do? I remember there's a song about it in um, Dr. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a, that was a very very fun thing. It's like we we wanted the experience to keep going, the uh-huh. experience of Doctor Harbour to keep going. So then we said, let's generate a commentary that is an additional musical that comments on the footage that you're seeing. If you're watching. <laughs> you you and you also have to be like a super fan to actually want to sit through all of it. But but if you appreciated it, yes, there was a song called "Nobody's Asian in the Movies," and and it was basically about my experience. Um, because I've worked in this business for a long time, not necessarily just as a writer, but, you know, I grew up as a 
kid who auditioned and danced and sang and acted. And then I continued that post-college. And at the time when I was auditioning, I would test for something, but it would always be the sidekick role or Mm -hmm. the neighbor or the Mm -hmm. friend of. And it would be me sitting in a room with a Latina and an African-American. And I think it's getting better now as far as an Asian-American presence on film and television, but there's still a lot of work to be done. But being in this position... Yes. I've I've always said that it was my secret mission to put all Asian faces on the show. Uh, I I have two, both women, both intelligent, strong, complex characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all the women on our show, I think we've embraced their flaws as well as their strengths. And I, I think that that is something that we're all very proud of. It's great that you guys, you're doing that. I mean, we always say our dream in life is to have an all-female writing staff. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we don't love you guys, but it would be nice to work with all women someday. Yes. And then, I mean, we have to talk about the fact my husband is also a TV writer, Adam, but he is not my writing partner. Right. Jed is your partner. What is it like to have your your husband be your writing partner? We get asked that all the time, and I think if it didn't work— we obviously wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> uh, we have a very male-female process, and I think that's why we've been able to sustain a working relationship for so long. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily male-female, but it's right. specific to our personalities. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, you guys know, you've been in a room with him before. Yeah. He just goes. He can mm-hmm. spitball and yeah. just without hesitation, the ideas just keep coming. And, and I'm sort of one that sort of hangs back and then looks at the overall picture and then just sort of like shapes it. Mm-hmm. into what I think it should be and that's very much how we worked and it and it and it seems to work knock on somebody knock on wood yeah. that it continues to work that way but um it's I think before we had our daughter it was very hard to separate work from our personal lives mm-hmm. so we would, we, yeah. would, we would take the work to dinner we would take the work even you know into our bedroom right before we go to sleep because our minds are still spinning about what mm-hmm. needed to get done right. what story problem we had encountered what needs to be fixed before we start shooting tomorrow morning so i would say now that has shifted to only talking about our little girl yeah mm-hmm. so i think that's good we've sort of found our relationship again in becoming parents and there's more of a separation we're not as precious about the work anymore because you know truthfully shield was our our first baby if you yeah mean, yeah you know you could look at it that way but now we have our our real baby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who takes up a lot of time yeah. and attention and, and and of course it's not all harmonious at all you know, <laughs> of like course. we do get into our spats when we are writing, as I'm sure you've experienced mm-hmm. as partners. Not, but um, because of the personal level, because of the marriage factor, yes, it can get a little heated, and then it bleeds into other areas. But, <laughs> but we've gotten very good about understanding. Okay, this is a work issue, and this is a life issue. Um, Let's high five and know that we love each other at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. And you have been accomplishing all these amazing things um, while living with lupus since you were 15. Mm-hmm. For people who aren't familiar with lupus, can you tell us what exactly it is? Um, lupus is a chronic autoimmune disease that affects 
all the tissues in the body. It causes inflammation throughout the body, and it can go anywhere. So basically, I have an immune system that produces antibodies that attacks my tissue, um, my organs, and it can run the gamut from minor inflammation to inflammation of of major organs like kidneys, uh, lungs, brain. It's basically all I know. Mm -hmm. So when someone points it out to me, like, how do you do it? And I I was like, well, I I don't know any other way. And how did lupus kind of first rear its ugly head in your life? It first manifested as the typical lupus rash, which was was a butterfly rash across the face Mm. and rashes along all my limbs. And my hair was falling out in chunks. Granted, like, at the time, I was a member of a pop R&B group with Motown Records when I was, you know, from the age of 12 to 15. And we were touring the country. So that's a different amount of stress for a child that age. And exhaustion. And exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, I was still enrolled at a private school. I was still enrolled at Buckley. So the pressure of all of that, plus the exhaustion from actually performing every day. Um, At the time, it was... uh, Around the late 80s, early 90s, lupus wasn't a condition that people really knew about. Mm -hmm. I think recently awareness of lupus has heightened. So it took a very long time to diagnose. They first thought it was an allergic reaction. They thought Mm -hmm. it was stress. Biopsy after biopsy on my Mm -hmm. skin, they couldn't couldn't figure it out until finally I was sent to a rheumatologist. And I had all the markers— I was finally given a diagnosis, and then I started, you know, life on prednisone. Mm-hmm. And I've been on prednisone ever since on varying doses. And even right now, I'm, I'm on, you know, a handful of medications just to manage. Yeah, how has your approach to managing lupus changed over time? Only recently have I come to terms with my limitations. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. with living with it for so long, mm-hmm. even after four life-threatening flares, years and years of therapy, <laughs> and and also just exploring any kind of alternative treatments or anything to supplement my Western approach, mm-hmm. I've finally come to terms with embracing what it means to live with lupus. Now, granted, I've had to step back Throughout my entire life, I've had to take the days off where I rest or, you know, or just by necessity, I I have no other choice but to take months off or Mm -hmm. because I've been, you know, seriously debilitated. But now I'm more mindful that I'm taking these steps for my overall health. I'm more mindful that in order to be my best self, my daughter and my family and for myself, I have to rest. I have to acknowledge and really pay attention to when I feel myself fading. But I'm finally in a place where emotionally and psychologically I can do that without guilt, without shame, without feeling like I'm some sort of failure because I have to respect my body. And you are the opposite of yes. any kind of failure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to <say Yes>. that. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, and I, I'm sure you guys deal with this in, in being working moms. It's like no matter where you are, whether you're investing in time with your child or you're, you're investing time in your work, there's this sort of underlying sense of guilt right. that you're not yes. 
going 150% here, 150% in the other place, when you add the chronic illness part to that whole existence, there is that part to consider, like, what can you do today? Mm -hmm. So does that mean today you have to actually spend that hour, shut off the computer, sit down in your office or at your home, if you're working from home, lie down, meditate, nap, try to nap, that's hard for me because I've always mm -hmm. been uh, – it's interesting. I've met so many other women with lupus, and we're all type A personalities. It's oh, like a, interesting. an yeah. overactive mind, an overactive person leads to an overactive immune system. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to see that, that similarity across the board. One thing that I find really inspiring about you is that you know, a lot of people, I think, if they had lupus in Hollywood, I'm sure in all industries, but let's take Hollywood since that's where we are, mm -hmm. would want to hide it because you would feel afraid that people would see you as having a weakness. Right. And I love that you've just been totally out front with it. And you're a spokesperson for the Lupus Foundation of America. Did you ever have that thought process of wanting to hide it or have you always just felt comfortable being out front. I think perhaps because I was diagnosed so early mm. that I do feel that it's just part of who I am. And I do like to get out in front of it. I do feel like I can still participate in the world. And I have. Well, having worked with you, we can, I mean, right. you're a force. Oh, yeah. God. And That's also it. you have like the most joyful family. I do yeah. have a I, joyful like, family. You posted this video of your whole family and Benny at a restaurant yeah. doing a little song. Yeah. It's just like, I yes. want to be in your family. Hey, yeah. can I send Violet to you just for like Please. a dose of joy <laughs> now and then? It's yeah. like so amazing and we'll happy. Adopt, we'll adopt everyone. <laughs> no, but that's that's also part of it. And, I'm, and thank you for bringing that up. The support system I've had my entire life has been just incredible. And I think, you know, they're all why I'm still able to go every day. My family has been an incredible support system. My husband, I think the reason why I'm even able to work at the level that I do is because I have such an invaluable partner in Jed, in life and also in our work, but specifically in life. My God, he has been my rock through all of it. And I think together as a couple, I think that's what keeps us going is we've had such reminders of our mortality mm. sort of more often than than the average person gets reminded of their mortality. Mm -hmm. Together we do have a heightened appreciation for when things are good. Yeah. And then we have our daughter, which is she is a miracle in and of itself. I mean, an actual miracle. It's like we were told as a couple for the longest time that there is no way you'll be able to have – a baby. I remember that yeah. when we were on Dollhouse. No, you we guys knew that. With that. Yeah. yeah. It was an absolute no. And then, of course, through different treatments and stuff, Ayurvedic medicine, I finally arrived at a place where I had been in remission for about two solid years and then finally got the green light to conceive. And you were able to get pregnant, but that was not an easy process. Your pregnancy was tough. It was tough. It was a tough pregnancy, and we had been warned over and again that that was a possibility. 
But I was doing everything I could. You know, I was like, I, I, I thought I was the full-on yoga pregnancy, mm. you know, <laughs> mom to be, um, eating everything pure, everything organic, everything you know, no meat, no dairy. Even though I wanted so much dairy, the, the, the kid <laughs> wanted dairy. She's like a cheese. Oh, <laughs> loves cheese. Um, but uh, I thought I was doing really well, and then in my twentieth week. Out of nowhere, within four days, I had 40 pounds of fluid on me. Which is so early in a pregnancy. Which is very early. I had a kidney flare once before in 2011. Um, the usual course of action for a flare that severe is chemotherapy. But, of course, I couldn't do that right. with mm-hmm. Benny right. yeah. um, inside my belly. So... Uh, instead, the goal was to hold her until at least her 29th week because then she would have been past the lung development phase. Mm-hmm. And that's just – the goal was to hold her for as long as I could yeah. mm-hmm. without compromising my life and without compromising hers. And it was very touch and go. For nine weeks, I was in and out of the hospital at Cedars. And the show was going this whole time. The show right. was going. That, oh that's just insane. And the thing, the only reason why I was able to at all stay in touch with the shows is I was on so, uh, like, the largest amount of prednisone every day. <laughs> so I was just wired. So I was on my computer from the hospital bed oh my or, God. or wow. from, from my little bed oh, wow. at home just still emailing and still, <laughs> like, staying in touch. And it, it actually was just a nice distraction from... I'm sure what right. was going on, but it it was one of the toughest times that we've experienced as a couple. It was one of the hardest flares I've experienced, and I've 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 had you know I've I've had some pretty bad um, hospitalizations, but it was because both our lives were in the balance, mm-hmm. and I was so angry at my body. Like we were given this gift, we were given this gift that that everyone told us we'd never be able to have. And I can't believe you're doing this to me now. I'm doing that to her, you know, but she survived. She was always meant to be here. She's such a little fierce little warrior. Um, She survived the hellscape that was my body (laughs) for, you know, nine weeks. And then came out and, you know, survived the NICU for three months. Yeah. And my God, we just, you know, I'm just so happy that she's now a kid who's in preschool, who's just sick with colds and, uh-huh, and yeah. like gross yeah. germs, like yeah. hand, foot, mouth and all these things that I had never even heard of. But like we're just dealing with a normal kid yeah. who, you know, yeah. is just a German infested <laughs> A German infested warrior. Yeah, she yeah. has a warrior mom. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not yes. surprised that she is a warrior no, also. <laughs> well, and Marissa, I mean, like you said, you have been dealing with this since you were 15. So mm-hmm. it's it's almost like it's just part of who you are, and I'm sure as much as at times you get angry, like you said, at, at, at your body for mm-hmm. presenting this, you are used to it. Um, what would you say to somebody who's just starting this, you know, so, like who's just discovered they have lupus or a chronic illness and is going to have to deal with their career and still wanting to be ambitious and wanting to be a mom and all those stuff dealing with this? It is possible to still participate in the world at the level that you want to. It's just going to take some time. Mm -hmm. It takes acceptance. Mm -hmm. That's the first step. Acceptance wholeheartedly 
because then you can become an advocate for yourself and knowing what you need to do to live a balanced life. The spoon theory has been a huge thing for me. What is the spoon theory? It's a very simple sort of metaphor for what it's like to live with a chronic illness. You start your day with 12 spoons, and for each activity, you take a spoon away. So getting up out of bed and just getting dressed, that's one spoon. Any sort of admin for your day, emails, all of that, that's two spoons. Going to work, you take, you know, five spoons away. So like by mm-hmm. the, by the, just to be mindful of the energy you're expending throughout the day mm-hmm. and how that will affect you. And if you've spent all your spoons, then you have to know that the next day you might have to just stay in bed. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not always a possibility for people, you know, because work and needing to make money and all those things, but that is also part of the life adjustment that you have to make. And hopefully you can call on family and friends to help you through it. And can you tell us a little bit about the Lupus Foundation of America and the work that you do with them? The Lupus Foundation of America, they are a wonderful organization, and their primary goal is just to supply resources for those suffering with lupus. Those who are recently diagnosed can go to their website. It's www.lupus.org. And there's just a ton of information about what the disease is, doctors you can go to. They are also very active in funding research and new treatments. Yeah. Well, we will link to that Great. Um, on our website and also to all sorts of information about you and your fabulousness. <laughs> and thank you so much for coming in. It's been so, so fun to see you. Tomorrow. It's so good to see you guys. I'm so happy to be here. I miss you guys a lot. Yeah. Well, we're too. very um, happy for you and your 100 episodes. Thank and you. your gorgeous, beautiful family. Thank you. Coming up, Sarah and I talk about our hits and bombs, but first, an ad break. All right, Liz, now it is time for Hits and Bombs. You have a hit this week. Yes, and to others, this may not seem like a big deal, but, you know, (laughs) me and my um, crazy neuroses, it was a big deal to me. Um, So... Jackson's second grade, as I've mentioned many times, uh-huh. and his school does a thing where in second grade, once a week, parents come in as mystery readers. Uh-huh. So the kids don't know who's coming, and you show up, and it's like, surprise, here we are, and then you have about 25 minutes to read books to the kids. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah, it's really great and sweet, and, and it seems very simple, which it is, in fact, very simple, but it's the kind of thing that would kind of normally send me into a tailspin uh-huh. because I'd be like, what books are we doing? What are we choosing? And I'm not comfortable reading books out loud because I have performance anxiety and <laughs> and, and I'm not maternal and I'm, uh-huh. you know, and the kids aren't going to like me and all this stuff would be going on in my head. <laughs> but in my, you know, constant evolution as a human being, yes. I decided, you know what? Every parent does this, which means means it should be eminently doable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am a writer after all. Right. <laughs> Books are part of my life. Books are your thing. <laughs> and I am going to just decide that I can do this very easily and that it's just a fun thing that I'm not going to stress about. And Adam and I picked our books and we showed up and I didn't nag him overly about being on time. And of course, he was early <laughs> and we did it and it was really fun and Jack loved it. 
And I didn't stress about it. Oh, that's cool. So that's my hit. I'm I'm giving myself a hit for not having pre-mystery reader stress. That so is I didn't even mention it to you, hit. did I? No, that's you something didn't. that was stressful. No, not I at all. I thought about it, bit my tongue. No, you just said, <laughs> oh, by the way, I have to go to this thing at 2 at Jack's school. Yes. So that's my hit. Now, you have a bomb? I have a bomb. So I think I've said before that I really love Pilates, but that I haven't had time to do Pilates in a long time. Yes. So I signed up for a Pilates class once a week, and I was determined that I was going to go just once a week. I mean, Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be that hard, right? And I have not gone in like three weeks. I keep scheduling the class. But it's a group class, so I don't have, like, personal accountability Uh, with a teacher. uh It's just like, well, there are going to be 12 people there. If I don't show up, I'm still paying. So what difference does it make? Uh, Um, So I have missed, for legitimate reasons. I mean, we've been working, you know, a lot. And every time I've missed it, we just have kind of worked through the class for three weeks in a row. Oh, yikes. So I need to do... I don't know, maybe I need to have more realistic scheduling, like schedule it at a time when I know I'm going to be able to go for real, or I don't know what the solution is, but that is my bomb. I wonder if you did it in the morning, Mm -hmm. if it would be better to do it at 9.30, because a lot of times in the morning we're sort of taking care of, you know, Mm -hmm. other things anyway. You know what I mean? So it's, would that be better once a week to go in the morning? Yeah, drop Violet off at school, go to Pilates on the way in. Yes. That's a good idea. Um, I will try that. Can I just say at least you're scheduling Pilates? I'm not even scheduling Pilates. (laughs) Thank you. Maybe we need to schedule Pilates class together in the morning once a week. Oh, I like that. Let's discuss this okay. off, off air. Okay. <laughs> okay, Sarah, before we say goodbye, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. Yes. Many years ago, our friend and fellow TV writer and fellow Kansasidian, I have to add. Yeah, who went to our high school. Yes, yes. Kelly Souders gave us the greatest gift, a car bag for kids. Yes, it is so simple and so brilliant. She just gave us this canvas tote, kind of preloaded with a puzzle, crayons, a notepad, some little figurines, and it's for your car. You just leave it in your car all the time and then take it into a restaurant if you're going to a restaurant with your kid, or they can use it on a car trip. Just open up the bag and there's tons of fun stuff ready to go. Yeah, and you can update it as your kids get older with age-appropriate items. So you could then do like a word jumble or a maze or, you know, different things that your kid will enjoy. And you will enjoy having something there so they're not going, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? (laughs) Yes, exactly. We just gave Marissa a Happier in Hollywood tote bag. Yes. With With some things for Benny Sue to keep in her car. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. So that's everybody just, uh, you know, do that for your friends and they will think it's a great gift. They will be very, very grateful. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Merry Christmas. Hanukkah's over now, but happy Hanukkah if you celebrated Hanukkah. We hope all of our listeners have a happy and joyous holiday season. If you have found ways to be happier while living with a chronic illness, email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast, please give us a review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps listeners find us. Big thanks to one of our favorite people of all time, Marissa Tancheron, for coming in today. Thank you to our producer, Jennifer Lai. Also thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. 
Thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook and join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. But when it's time to cast the show, do they want somebody yellow? Hell no. No. Nobody's Asian in the movies. Nobody's Asian on TV. If there is a part there for us, it's the groupie in the chorus. That's me. Please don't pass me by They say, hey, give us a hand Go, we'll stand in the back with that fact